Hey, Mystery Solvers, we have some great mysteries to talk about today. But first, we want to introduce you to another awesome podcast. Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked us. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, those stories where the past and the paranormal meet. Because who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? I'm your host, Kat, and joining me every week will be one of my co-hosts. Either Haley, my partner in every idea I have, or Tress, my lovely sidekick in all things paranormal. Join us this season as we discuss and share true accounts from all over Southern California and beyond. From haunted locations to newsworthy incidents and crimes that stunned us. We will dwell deep and find the people behind the headlines. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast and rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Also, visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com. Until next time, remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost. that sound good i think so why i just don't, don't we know how it. to podcast <laughs> okay the knobbies are in the same location that they were last time i don't understand well, remember how we were like so quiet and we adjusted everything i did but but then it was fine and we but it was fine it. but it must have gone back to like how it was before somehow maybe it's haunted do you think our mixer is haunted probably I like mean, the computer in beyond belief no that computer wasn't haunted it's was a big disappointment <laughs> okay i think this is fine Okay. All yeah. right. Welcome, Fences. <laughs> hello, hello. This is perhaps it's you, an unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast. <laughs> You're here with your two cool mystery aunts, Liz and Samantha. I'm Samantha. I guess I'm Liz then. I'm just gonna take off my earrings that are stabbing me under my headphones. So podcasting is hard. <laughs> yeah, I take back everything I ever said about it being easy. We don't know how to make ourselves sound good. We don't know why we keep doing this. Alright, you can't wear earrings. You can't have the heat on on a horrible winter day like today. Yeah, which Minnesota. I'm not prepared for. I'm wearing the world's baggiest sweatshirt dress right now. It looks just so says comfortable. Lazy across the back in huge letters. And I was like, I think I'm going to wear this all winter long. So Samantha, you I probably support this won't see me wearing anything else but this giant like sack. I support this decision. I had to try and drive to work this morning when the roads were little literal ice rinks. I've never experienced anything <clears throat> like the roads this morning in Minnesota. It was crazy. I hope if you are local, you weren't out and about in it because yeah, I don't even know what happened. It was like it rained and then froze or yeah. something. Yeah. I already like slipped all over the world last night in the like tiny bit of dust that was on the road because it was very slippery. Yeah. And luckily, I hit nothing, but that's just a miracle. Winter's terrible. So I was like, "Oh, great! It begins. <laughs> Here we go. It started." <laughs> oh, are we complaining about the weather? Then you Surprise! know that you're listening to the Perhaps It's You podcast from the great state of Minnesota, which I honestly do love, but maybe not today. I'll tell you what I learned though. If you live in Chicago and you're going, man, I really like Minneapolis, but I don't know if I can survive the winter. It's not worse. Oh, good. That's my that's my lesson for you. If you can survive that winter, you can survive this winter. Yeah. And actually, you'll probably be outside less because Chicago life just involves a lot of walking around, trudging through slush sure. to get to one form of public transportation to throw another. And there's just a little bit less of that here. So Yeah, we got skyways and stuff too. Like it's Yeah, also why doesn't Chicago have that? 
Yeah, so it's you... just cold as fuck, but there's no like Toronto has like tunnels. Here has skyways. Chicago is just like fucking deal with it. Yeah, you really, if you plan it right, don't have to go outside at all. Yeah. Even if you have to drive to the city, you just get in a parking ramp and then right. go your way up to the skyway and so go where you need to there go. You go. There's a little a little weather lesson that no <laughs> one asked. Liz, shut your gap. No. It's my podcast. I'll yap about whatever I want to. Do you have any updates? Um, they announced the Drag Race All Stars season forecast today. Is that an, is that an update? I want to hear this. I just got off work, so <laughs> I don't remember everybody. Were there any any highlights? I mean, I'm pretty excited sure? that Pheromone's gonna be on. Yes, uh, the bitch everybody loves to hate. Valentina's gonna be on. Okay, okay. Uh, Latrice Royale's back. Ooh, finally. Jasmine Masters is back. Finally, this is gonna be good. Um. Some other people I didn't really care about so much, like Gina Gunn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. That'll be good. When is, do you know? I don't know when that out? starts, but they they just we'll released, keep an, keep they just renounced the cast. <laughs> people are like, that has nothing to do with this show. <laughs> well, it's something we talk about. <laughs> I don't have any actual relevant updates, no. <laughs> Neither do I. Uh, I uh, Thanks for all the positive feedback on our last show, though. That was really fun. We people really are digging the-, the rich people voices and i appreciate that and yeah if you're so rich that it's impacted your voice you probably didn't like that episode but good you're not allowed to listen anyway one <laughs> percent of the one percenters get out of here yeah exactly i feel like we needed a good wild episode of unsolved mysteries yeah god once again i'm i'm just so glad we don't do a straight true crime podcast i know i would have quit so long ago seriously it we just need, seems really we depressing. need the kurt mcfalls we need the son of sam was a satanist we need the rich people being scared of homeless people like that is the stuff we yeah. love we love to hate it's just these weird unsolved mysteries is such a mixed bag where it sometimes really is terrifying and then sometimes is the cheesiest thing you ever saw. And you just really never know what's going to happen. Yeah. That's kind of the appeal for me, at least. So, anyway. I guess I have nothing else. I don't either. Samantha looks real tired, everybody. <laughs> I want you to give her, like, an emotional hug in your mind of spiritual energy. It's been a long week before We're recording on a Friday, which we don't usually do because that means Samantha's got to come here right from work. And she gets up, like, before the sun. So... True. Yeah, I've been up since 4.30 this morning. She's like a farmer. <laughs> uh, she has the farmer op- hours. She yeah. has the opposite sleep schedule of me, so... Yeah, I don't was I asleep by 9 p.m. last night? I was, but... That sounds pretty nice. I mean, it would be if I didn't have to wake up at 4.30. <laughs> oh, right. That. <laughs> so that. The, that's the other side of that coin. Hmm. Okay. All right, what episode are we on? We are on season three, episode five, an episode I watched last weekend. So let's hope I can remember any of this. <laughs> this has just been speeding on by. It really has. Like life. Sometimes like sands I... in the hourglass, just slipping through our fingers. Where did it all go? Wasn't I just a child? <laughs> That's how I feel. It is kind of how I feel about this season of Unsolved Mysteries. Or I'll be talking about something and be like, oh, it's almost time for my 20-year high school reunion. Huh. That's great. Are you going to go? Probably. I don't know. Okay. I went to my 10. That was fun. I enjoyed it, though. Even though, surprise, surprise, I was the most popular kid in my high school class. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't at all. <laughs> but it was still very pleasant. Good. Even all those people that were jerks, whatever, they mellowed out. Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. Except for one person. And then that was, like, really vindicating. <laughs> Actually. I was like, oh, you're still exactly like that? Nice. 
it. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Okay, so our first segment in this episode is a wanted. A lot of wanteds. If last yeah. season was the season of the lost loves, this is the season of the wanted. Season of the wanted, which sounds like a song, doesn't it? Kind of, yeah. The season of the wanted. <laughs> Will you write us a song for this? No, because I can't say. I'm actually tone deaf. You probably just <laughs> noticed that. And uh, no, also no. This is a kind of uh, a surreal case in some ways. It's. It had yeah. a little bit of a Twin Peaksy vibe Surreal to me. Surreal is a good way of describing it. Particularly when you get to the part where someone is in hi- hypnosis and then they're showing like his <laughs> memories through hypnosis. It's like very trippy. It, it is. So, oh, I do not recommend watching this episode of Unsolved Mysteries High. No. It's, Were you wondering? The opposite of recommendation. Liz, should I get high and watch? <laughs> Wait, is this episode six? Or is this five? It's six. You're right. Oh. I have I did a copy and paste from my last okay. my notes from the last Liz, time. Should I watch season, <laughs> season three, episode six of Unsolved Mysteries while baked out of my gourd? Oh <laughs> uh, no. I don't recommend that. This is another little PSA from your Unsolved Mysteries on. Yeah. Hope you got your flu shot since last <laughs> time. Hope you checked your carbon monoxide detector. Samantha's taught me you got to clean the back of your dryer. I had no fucking clue. Good thing this house doesn't burn down. And now we're telling you not to watch at least this particular episode while high. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are in Hooksit, New Hampshire, 30 years ago, which Robert Stack describes as a farming community of approximately 2,500 people. In the woods surrounding the town was a thriving population of deer that attracted hunters from all around New England. That is relevant later. Mm-hmm. But by 1964, a hunter of a different kind arrived in the area, was the quote we get from Robert That's Zach. really tasteless. <laughs> Says me. Uh, that year, the spring thaw revealed two bodies, that of teenagers Pamela Mason and someone who they never mentioned the name of the rest of the segment, but I'll have information about later. Uh, yeah, that's real. They skip over this. Mm-hmm. This seems like an essential point of information, right? Two dead teenage girls. Yes. It's part of the reason I was like, oh, this is kind of like the opening of Twin Peaks when you have these two teenage girls involved in this crime, even though one of them was alive, but whatever. But you get like no information on that at all. And we just skip to this other possibly connected case. Right. So these girls were supposedly tortured and murdered. It was thought that the murderer lived in the area, but that's really the last you're going to hear about them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Way to just sprinkle that in. Uh, 47-year-old resident Rena Paquette told her neighbors that she knew who had killed the two girls, but no one took her seriously. Why? No idea. Uh, Isn't that so weird? If someone came forward and was like, yeah, I know who did it. Get out of here, you old whore. They also have never really explained why no one believed Rena. Yeah. Was she, like, known to just make shit up or... I don't know. She was a woman, or what's going on here? Maybe the latter. Okay, so then on February 3rd, 1964, Rena's teenage son, Danny, had the day off school. When Danny came down for breakfast, he couldn't find his mother, who was supposed to be home because she was going to take him to the dentist later. Rena's purse and winter coat were still at the house, and it was, I guess, bitterly cold that day, so it seemed unlikely that she would have just left. No, people don't do that. They always have to find a reason to (laughs) dismiss that they may have just... I'm left. guessing this person doesn't have more than one winter coat. I mean, I don't. I don't think so. If if I'm not in the house and my winter coat, which is right there, is here, and I don't know, maybe I switched out to another purse, but if my like wallet is gone, yeah, what the fuck happened to me? Did I vanish in the thin air? 
Maybe you left to start a new life. No! I'm... I've declared it on the show before and I'm declaring it now. I am never, ever, ever going to just pick up with literally nothing to start a new life and tell no one. And not tell Samantha, please. Yeah, exactly. Bitch, please. No. Danny's uncle Charlie came over to help him look for Rena. The two searched the farm for her for over an hour, finding no trace until Danny spotted smoke coming from a barn that was approximately a mile from the family's home. Inside, they found Rena's charred body. The reenactment of this is really sad because yeah, it's her, her teenage son and his uncle. I'm not sure if it was they searched over but... the farm property for about an hour, looking in you know various buildings and fields and whatever, trying to find where she went. And then eventually they see smoke coming out of a building and find her charred core. I know. And in the reenactment, Charlie, the uncle, kind of like has to pull Danny away. And he's screaming. It's really, really sad. So next we get this ridiculous, sta- ridiculous statement from Robert Stagg. He says, quote, police determined that Rena had somehow set herself on fire and then crawled into the barn to die. Like she's a rodent. Like she's a bug or something. The people don't crawl into places to die. Also, there was no flammables found yeah, for her to... Yeah, here's the weird thing about the fact that she supposedly set herself on fire. Uh, yeah, there was no flammable substances or accelerants found anywhere near her So body, she lit herself really the on fire with what? Like her fire starter will? She just... Magic? Yeah. It's really... It's interesting that these police believe in magic. Yeah. Uh, these are people who did not want to solve this case. Clearly. Or... I don't know why, but it seems like they did not want to solve this case because the explanation makes no sense. People do not just light themselves on fire as a form of committing suicide. And even if she had done that, which seems bizarre and How would she have done it? How would she have done it? It had the power of her mind. She didn't light herself on fire, somehow hide the accelerant, and then... While screaming because her skin is literally burning off, she was like, oh, I better put this gasoline over here. I... I don't, it's too dangerous. Yeah. And then she crawled into the barn to die like a rat. So despite not finding any source of how she could have started herself on fire, her death was ruled a suicide. Her family believes she was murdered. Probably because she definitely was murdered. Because she was murdered. Because her family, uh, I don't know, isn't two years old? Yeah. They're not, they have an ounce of common sense. Yeah, they're not so gullible. Rena's older son, Victor, who has an impressive handlebar mustache. Oh, Did you okay. draw it? What do you call on this one? I called it Your Majesty. <laughs> because it's so grand, you have to bow down I, to what it. What I appreciate about your drawing is that you have accurately drawn the right side of the mustache, the left side looking at it head on, slightly smaller than the other side, yep, yep. which is exactly how it was. <laughs> yep. One side was weirdly thinner than the other side. I very boldly wrote MVM next to this as soon oh, yeah. as I saw it, because I was like, wow, that is quite a mustache. But there might be a contender in, in, in my mystery, so we can debate that but yeah i think everyone needs to bow down to the majesty <laughs> to is victor's mustache victor's mustache impressive so he says that it's quite fishy that two teenagers were brutally murdered and then his mother who claimed to have known who the murderer was suddenly showed up in a barn burned to death yeah, yeah that's i would call that fishy yeah seems fishy in february 1964 the same year reno was killed a local delivery man was arrested tried convicted and sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Pamela Mason. So here is the sort of plot twist. 20 years later, Rena's son Danny was gunned down in front of his house. Many people believe that he and his mother were killed by the same person because they knew too much. Why the man who was tried and convicted and sent to prison 20 years later decided to kill a witness? 
it's not really ever explained. So I hope you're not expecting that. I sort of, I sort of have a theory about that. Oh, good. I'm glad you do because I'm baffled by it. But next, we see uh, the troubled tale of Danny's life. Victor tells us that Danny was the most affected by his mother's death which kind of seems understandable. He was a troubled teen who grew up and married, but then went through a bitter divorce in which he lost custody of his children. In the summer of 89, Danny went to his ex-wife's home and had what Robert's deck describes as a frightening outburst. I don't know why we see this scene. Why is that included in this mystery? I think it's supposed to... We're supposed to be illustrating that maybe he was a little unhinged, but I really don't even know what that has to do with his death. Like, I thought maybe they were going to point to the ex-wife at some point because of this scene. She's not de- portrayed flatteringly, I will say. You know, like, so the, the scene is, he's lost custody of his kids, he hasn't seen them in over a month, and he just shows up at the house, like, demanding to be let in, and he's very angry. Which is not the right way to deal with a custody dispute. So the police have to be called and, you know, whatever. So, but this doesn't really have anything to do with the crime. So I was wondering if they were trying to imply, like, maybe the custody battle was so bad that... I didn't even guess that. Because they never really make any connections like that. I thought they were just saying that, like, look how much his mother's death affected him. Even as an adult, he couldn't... He was he couldn't control his temper. Yeah, or something. Yeah, I don't know. They never really connected those dots. It's strange. So. It's, it's, it seems like an unnecessary detail to put in there. To it me. also, yeah, unfairly maligns his ex-wife, who is portrayed not well in that reenactment. Right. Uh, well, he's acting like... Even though she got custody of their kids, so there's something we, don't, we ha- weren't told. Well, he is so angry. It's really, really inappropriate. Right. So Danny was ordered to undergo psychiatric treatment... I mean, yeah, okay, I guess that's why, because because of that incident, he gets the psychiatric treatment, and that leads to the hypnosis. And I think I wrote it down, yeah, he was in psychiatric treatment for five months, and apparently the psychiatric treatment included hypnosis? Okay, the the memories Danny recovered during hypnosis included waking up the morning of his mother's death and seeing her and a delivery man fighting. He became convinced that he had seen his mother's murderer and that it was the same delivery man who had killed Pamela Mason. When we see this memory through hypnosis, they kind of chop up the sound and make the picture, like, very hazy. Yeah. So you're hearing his mother say, like, Danny's upstairs stairs. It's... I can't do it, but it, it has this trippy, dreamy quality to it, which is why I'm telling you not to watch a high. It's super weird. And it's, it's a little psychedelic almost. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. It's a weird effect we haven't seen them use in Unsolved Mysteries yet. Yeah. They're experimental. Yeah. Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. Uh, so this hypnosis thing is obviously bullshit. But don't you want to see a guy with a stash under hypnosis? Kind of. Samantha's like, no, I just want to take a nap. <laughs> I mean, that's true of the, me the second. <laughs> this hypnosis thing is ridiculous because yeah. the, the man, there's a man who went to prison for his mother's death. So the fact that he has these recovered memories of that man arguing with his mother the morning of her death is not that surprising. And whether or not that actually happened, he, you can easily see oh. how he could come, he could make up a memory under hypnosis. I didn't realize that the person he's remembering is the person that was in prison. Yeah. And it, it had been 20 years since that man went to prison. And he's getting having these recovered memories of that man arguing with his mother the morning of her death. So, so this is not... did we get from her death being considered a suicide to someone going to jail for it? Oh, so, oh, so the man who was in prison 
did not go to prison for murdering his mother. He went to prison for, for murdering, murdering the Pamela, the teen, one of the teenagers. Oh, but and his so mother he was thinks... his mother was convinced that she knew who yeah. killed the teenagers. So I guess I didn't articulate that very well. Um, so and everyone in their family thinks that this man who was in prison for Pamela's murder killed. Uh, Danny's mother. And then he has supposedly this recovered memory that supports that. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's not that surprising. He already in his he already real that. life thinks yeah. that this man killed his mother. So yeah. Okay. It's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this man that has no time and no patience for this nonsense. I also don't understand why everyone's theory is that this guy who's been in prison for life 20 years later suddenly decided to kill Danny. I guess it's because I guess they're trying to suggest that Danny is going to he's going to get remember. him in trouble for killing his mom, but he's yeah. already in prison for life. So that's I guess I didn't follow this clearly because I thought they were saying the reason to kill him was that after all this time was that he was remembering things under hypnosis. I think but, that is what they're saying, but, but it doesn't he, make it doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't really make he's sense. He's already in prison for life. So what I don't understand. Uh, then one day, Danny was welding in the garage. So he gets out of this, uh, I wrote on, sketchy institution that he was in for five months. Was he literally committed for five months? He was in there for five months, and they said that he was sent there, so... That is intense. Uh, yeah. Uh, but when he got out, Victor, his brother, says that he began to enjoy life again. Him this and- was actually really sweet. Like, he gets out, and his brother, Victor, has paid all his bills. Yeah. And it, like, somehow brings the two of them together, and they show them, like... Riding motorcycles. Riding- motorcycles and stuff like i don't know i don't know if they weren't spending that much time together before this happened but it seemed like it it did seem like they were kind of close but not super close and then afterwards because danny was really distant and going through a lot of shit before he went yeah, into psychiatric treatment so he was like just in a better place and yeah. victor was able to help him out and it just i don't know brought them together as brothers and it was really cute i know they talk about how danny started to enjoy life again so he was going motorcycling with victor and just generally yeah, a happy guy just riding around having mustaches and having a good time living the dream but one day he was welding in the garage while two friends were working on a car nearby the friends heard a loud pop and ran over to find danny dead on the ground there was a hole in his chest that they first attributed to him falling on the welding iron but it turns out that was actually a bullet hole Police found footprints running away from the scene. The day of Danny's death was the beginning of hunting season, so police first theorized that Danny could have been shot accidentally. There were hunters sighting in their guns nearby at a local gravel pit, but a ballistics expert from New York was brought in to de- and determined that it would have been impossible for bullets shot from the gravel pit to have hit Danny. It there, it's really far away. It's really far away, and there's a... You shoot at targets that are in front of this giant mound of gravel. So the ballistic expert basically said it would have had to have gone... The bullet would have had to turn up, go over that mound, like travel 400 feet or something, go around a bunch of obstacles, and then hit him directly in the heart. Yeah. So it's very unlikely that these hunters killed Danny. Now, could it have been other hunters in the area? Right. Maybe. No one... It is a little strange that a hunter would... Accidentally shoot someone who was welding at the time. Right in the heart, too. It's not like... 
directly in the heart. It seems like it's a really good shot, not an accidental shot. Right. But then, you know, also who would have, they don't seem they don't to know who would have motive to kill him. It's bizarre. Um, stranger things have happened. People do get accidentally shot hunting, but it just seems weird. Like, he doesn't look like a deer. He's welding. He's in a garage. He's in front of a car. Right, it's not in the or woods. Or he was welding, like, a tractor or something. Yeah. He's in, he's by a building. He's not in, in the woods itself. So, but, I mean... It's daytime. Do people get drunk and go hunting? Yeah. Do people make right. stupid choices? Apparently, there's a lot of hunters in the area. Um, who knows? They did find, like I said, footprints running away from the scene. It seems odd that his friends who were right there didn't see anyone. So that tells me that maybe it was someone who was far away and accidentally right. shot him while they because were... Because they thought he had been electrocuted or something. Like, they thought it was related to the welding. Yeah, they saw... Because he just suddenly fell over. And they saw no one. So... Right. Who knows? It's really, you know, not clear. Um, the update is solved. In 1991, Rena's body was exhumed and her cause of death was changed to suicide. Uh, from suicide to undetermined. That same year, Edward Coolidge, the man serving time for Pamela Mason's murder, was released due to illegal technicality. This isn't... Oh, in 2005, a man named Eric Windhurst was arrested and charged with Danny's murder. At the time of the murder, he had been dating Danny's stepdaughter, Melanie Paquette Cooper. When originally questioned, the two claimed that they were in a field hockey game at the time of the murder. However, Melanie later admitted to being with Eric when he killed Danny. She also claimed that Danny had sexually abused her and that Eric killed him because of this. Oh, shit. I didn't read this update. This is from Unsolved Wiki. Uh, Surprisingly, Eric's family members told police that they had known about him committing the murder as it had been an quote, open secret among the family. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're all, like, sitting down to Thanksgiving or whatever, and you're like, well, we all know he committed that murder, but... I guess maybe they thought it was justified Pass the green beans. I mean, shit, I didn't, didn't I, see that coming. Yeah, that wasn't in the Unsolved Mysteries episode. They I, were just like, update, this guy that. was arrested, and I was like, oh, I can't wait for Samantha to tell me why. Uh, yeah, that's apparently why. Um, I was really looking at the ex-wife. Yeah, but I really thought it might be a hunter, but that so it had nothing to do either one with his mom's death at all. It had to do with him being a child molester or alleged child molester. Allegedly, yeah. So Melanie Cooper served 15 months in some oh for hindering the investigation into her father's murder. Eric Winters pleaded guilty to murder and was sentenced to 15 to 36 years in prison. Eric Winters could be released as early as 2020. Rena's death, however, is still a mystery. So I do have some information about the because I was really curious about the murders of these two girls. Yeah, I think there might be a separate unsolved mysteries episode about at least Pamela. I'm not totally sure. Don't quote me on that. There's not a lot of information about this murder. I don't know if it's because it happened so long ago or what the deal is, but a lot of, when you search for the the information about this murder, you'll find like one or two articles that pretty much quote each other, and then a lot of information about Rena. See, this so, is the problem with the internet. People act like all information is available to you, but someone has to actually upload that. Right. And a lot of times, yeah, it's all self-referential. And like, also, the... The only information I could really find was from this website called Quote TV slash Scary Stories. So take this with a grain of Very, salt. Uh, Samantha, that's where I go for my real true news. <laughs> it's like The Guardian or that for me. There, this murder wasn't even on Murderpedia, which is where I usually go. So 
Anyway, in 1964, 14-year-old Pamela Mason posted a flyer at a laundromat in Manchester, New Hampshire, advertising her services as a babysitter. Soon, an unidentified man answered Pamela's ad, phoning her to say that he needed a babysitter. Oh, God. I don't like where this is going. On January 13th, Pamela left her home to go meet the man. Eight days later, she was found dead in a snowbank. <laughs> you can imagine what happened. That's she was terrible. stabbed and shot. Authorities, oh, that's probably what's going to happen to me, then. All right. Cool. Authorities noticed similarities between Pamela's death and the murder of an 18-year-old Manchester woman named Sandra Valade. Validi. I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name, which had occurred four years earlier. Weeks after Pamela's murder, a laundromat employee named Rena Paquette told authorities she had seen a man named Edward Coolidge uh, taking an interest in Pamela's babysitting flyer and believed him to be the killer. The following morning, oh. Paquette was found burned to death inside a barn on her property. This was... So the day they found her was the day after she told authorities that this man who was later convicted for Pamela's murder? And they never thought, huh, maybe that is... Oh, maybe it's a suicide? Yeah. And apparently it's still unsolved. Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) Hey, let us solve crimes. Yeah, I think I know who did it. Authorities. (laughs) Bring us in. It's it's consultants. Yeah, Unsolved Mysteries didn't mention any of that. Okay, after... Robert Stack let us down, let's be honest. (laughs) After incriminating evidence was discovered in Coolidge's vehicle at his home, he was arrested and charged with Pamela Mason's murder. He was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. However, the conviction became the subject of a controversy as the searches to obtain the evidence against Coolidge were believed to have been unconstitutional. The case made it all the way to the United States supreme court in 1971 and since the attorney general of new hampshire had personally signed the warrants to search coolidge's vehicle and property the supreme court ruled that the warrants were invalid since they were not issued by a quote neutral and detached magistrate because apparently the attorney general was Mm -hmm. was like acting as a justice of the peace or something for this area um and he also went on to prosecute the case so that's not you know he's not unbiased the Um, As a result, Coolidge's first-degree murder conviction was overturned. He agreed to a plea to a lesser charge of second-degree murder and was released from prison in 1991. While most people are convinced that Coolidge was Pamela Mason's killer, the deaths of Sandra and and Rena were never officially solved. Coolidge was released from prison in 1991. He maintains... Oh, this is from Wikipedia. He maintains his innocence in Mason's murder and the other murders he is suspected in. And really, he she was killed the very next day after pointing after the finger at him. literally witnessing him talking to Pamela. Unsolved Mysteries made it sound like, oh, no one believed her. It was crazy, Rena. They, they didn't take her seriously, but it seems like she was exactly right, so... And then she was murdered the next day. That's so sad. So. And her son had to find her. I know. What and a depressing it, mystery. That was depressing. And it, yeah, it's just like a little bit off in a way. Mm-hmm. It's a little more surreal. Sometimes we find out that Unsolved Mysteries leaves these details out that are like very critical and that they would have known at the time. I think this isn't going to make sense because I literally have a mystery about a child molester coming up. But I feel like they hate to bring up sexual aspects to crimes, even when they're very critical. To the yeah, to understanding the events of the even in like an update where it would have just been text, I feel like they rarely include any sort of sexual information. No, but we're literally going to be talking about a, a wanted case that's a child molester. So I I can't follow the logic there. <laughs> Don't understand. <sighs> okay, are you ready to lighten things up a little bit? Oh yes. <laughs> okay, everybody, taking a deep breath. Take it, let it out. Because what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about twins. What? 
to the Psy Med segment, the type of segments that make no sense. And it is just Robert Stack telling you, like, you know what's kind of cool? Twins. And you go, that's not a mystery. And he's like, kind of is. is that, was that a direct quote from Robert yeah. Stack? <laughs> Sorry, that was really a really horrible noise. Okay. So, twins. Identical twins. Robert Stack tells us that they've fascinated and delighted us all. They're mirror... I'm delighted. Yes. I know what I'm delighted by. Twins. Twins. <laughs> Twins, when they're in, like, gum ads or, <laughs> I don't know, just existing in the world. They're, this is what Robert Stack says. Their mirror images are a perfect example of nature's whimsy. <laughs> is it? Is, is it whimsy? Is it? I don't know if that's whimsy. What would you consider to be nature's whimsy? Like, chipmunks frolicking in the forest? <laughs> Uh, yeah, nature's whimsy. Yeah, I don't... It's like when an animal rides on top of another animal to get across a river. I would consider that nature's whimsy. If you've ever seen, like, a bird rescuing on an alligator as, like, just, you know, to be lazy, that's nature's whimsy. Not twins. Not twins. <laughs> Not the idea that sometimes a woman gives birth to two babies. Ooh. As a child, did you ever wish you were a twin, Samantha? All the time. I did, too. And I feel like that's a very common thing, and I don't... I have no idea why. That's, I think it's yeah. just novel. You know, it's like no one else is twins. Like, it'd be cool if I had a twin. I... It just seemed, like, romantic or yeah. cool in a way. Like, and I think I read a lot of books that had twins, and... For sure. It was like, oh, then we'd have our own secret twin language, and you, could you know... communicate telepathically, yeah, like, we, you know, yeah. mysteries. <laughs> right. But now I have brother-in-laws who are twins, and... It's not all it's cracked that's really up to be. Not, It doesn't really seem that special. Sorry, Chris and Ken. <laughs> You're just two dudes. I don't think you can communicate through telepathy. I mean, it was probably cool to be, like, born with your best friend, but other than that... What's that movie with the Olsen twins where they switch places? I don't know. Because I loved that movie growing up. I feel like that may have been the origin story of me wanting to be a twin. Obviously, I didn't love it enough to remember the title of it to this day. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about if you're listening yeah, there to was, this. Yeah, there was lots of... I, I don't know. There's something... Children just must like that idea. And I now as an adult, I'm like, what? Why? Really? You want your parents to be spending like half of the attention on you <laughs> when you're born? That doesn't sound so great. No, anyway, so to show us these examples of nature's whimsy, we sort of get three cases, except that they're all... <laughs> they're not like good enough to be their own cases so we just meet three sets of twins are you ready <laughs> never been more ready in my life the first twins are mark newman and gerald levy from new jersey they were separated at birth in 1954 then 32 years later they were reunited and they had not known that the other one had existed previously so you just most of it is just footage of them showing how similar they are. And then Robert Stack lifts off some of their bizarre similarities that seem to go beyond either nature or nurture. They're both volunteer firemen who have previously worked in lawn care. They are both confirmed bachelors. <laughs> Interpret that phrase as you will. What? They both drink the same <laughs> brand of beer. And they both carry their keys in the same distinctive manner. 
This is so whimsical. <laughs> oh, nature. How do they Delight us. The distinctive, like, do I they wish, bend their hands kind of way? I wish they had shown us what counts as a distinctive manner of carrying keys, because I have no idea. Most of it is just they them. They are swinging it around the key <laughs> ring. <laughs> around their finger. I don't know. I have no idea what that means. Most of the segment is just them, like, either sitting in bar schools or having their photograph taken so that you can see that they have like very similar posture and they what? laugh the same way are you and telling me these people like the same kind of beer yes despite <laughs> the fact is blown. that they were separated for 32 years samantha amazing now also they must both because they're twins have walrus mustaches well so perhaps <laughs> the fact that there's twin mustaches maybe that's mvm it kind of i feel like it has to be the bottoms are a little different one comes to a point and one comes to like a Oh, like a square bot. Mm-hmm. I just called him twinning. I don't know. I like a hashtag twinning. Hashtag twinning. Definitely, yes. It should have a hashtag in it. They both have the same terrible mustache. They both sit in a chair awkwardly. I don't know. That's really the whole segment. There is a research scientist for the Twin Research Center, which that's a thing. What? Yeah, you could just research twins. And the guy says, I've watched them sit in chairs. Which to me is just <laughs> such a funny quote. Like, go science. Um, Amazing. <laughs> I'm so impressed. <laughs> I've watched them sit in chairs. Wow. So oh. whimsical. Oh, science. Is there nothing you can't prove? <laughs> um, and then Robert Stack tells us, scientists can neither dismiss nor explain these strange experiences. Okay. All right. So, two dudes. How they sit? Similar. Yep. All right. That's that guy. Very mysterious. (laughs) So mysterious. Then we move on to Donald and Lewis Keith, who are identical twins who apparently founded the Center for Studies of the Multiple Brain in 1977. So, the two of them don't live in... Uh, the same city. One lives in Chicago and one lives in Washington, D.C., but they believe that they are connected by a sixth sense. And their example of this is fucking hilarious. And if you watch this episode, you should really just watch it for this part. So, one of them... Wait, which one? I don't even know. This is a problem with twins. Who knows? <laughs> one of them is doing an exercise He was that was suggested to him for... I guess they are colloquially called love handles. So someone tells him to do this exercise to get rid of his love handles that seems to be putting a broom handle on his shoulders and just rotating. (laughs) So there is definitely an Unsolved Mysteries gif of this moment. I hope. Instagram, go on Instagram, search for Unsolved Mysteries gifs. They're definitely, it was posted it's, recently. I think it's, reposted it. It's on there a couple it's, times because it's so hilarious. It's just him rotating. He's like, it's not a particularly hard exercise. It doesn't take any particular intelligence. And yet I injured myself. And what they show, because this guy cannot act, he's just a normal person, is him just standing up, grabbing the side of his groin and being like, ugh. <laughs> Okay. At that same moment, his brother is walking down a hallway and suddenly gets an intense pain in his <laughs> side of his groin like he's never felt before. <laughs> well, you don't know about being a twin, let alone uh, fact, you're connected by the groin. 
<laughs> this so, phenomenon is known as very sh- inconvenient shared pain. Okay, okay. so okay. the the brother Do you only shared pain. He, he, you can't share groin pleasure. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> so that would be better than shared. Leave your your dirty mind out of this. <laughs> Sorry, it's just no. These this, questions need to be asked. It's a side by side shot of both brother <laughs> holding their hands to their hip and being like, Ugh, which they like line up side by side to show you they were very similar experiences. It's pretty funny. So anyway, the one that was walking down a hallway goes back to his office and calls the other brother only to find oh no he went home because he injured himself and he said out of curiosity i asked how he had injured himself and where and then the other brother asks him was it curiosity or sixth sense (laughs) and he says he doesn't know he honestly doesn't know if it's curiosity or sixth sense but he found out that it was also in his groin and he knew that it happened at the same time I just like nature's whimsy. I don't know. (laughs) All right, that is the name of this episode, by the way. It's nature's whimsy, and it's interesting that Mother Nature decided to express her whimsy through groin pain. Seems a little cruel, but whimsical of your Robert Stack, I guess. Nature is Mother Nature's a cruel bitch. I don't know. That's literally the whole mystery. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, they think that's a psychic ability. Then we move on to the weirdest twins of all. Lavana and Lavelda, which... Why is that not my name? Lavana or or Lavelda? Can we change our names? Sure, Lavana. <laughs> all right, Lavelda. <laughs> so this is Lavana and Lavelda Roe Richardson from Iowa. Um, they are identical twins. They were born in 1933, and they believe that they are connected through ESP. And Robert Stack tells us that in some very scientific experiment of 300 sets of twins that they scored the highest on ESP something. What kind of fucking sketchy <laughs> scientific study? It's literally out to measure ESP. And one example they something give... Something we don't know if it exists. <laughs> some One example of this is that in school, Lavelda found down the stairs, and when you know the administrators or whoever went to tell Lavelda in her classroom she was unconscious it's just at her desk I guess no one had done anything (laughs) or was she just sleeping bad school okay don't go there they also have married identical twins that's not weird at all Helen and Arthur and I was like that's gonna make holidays easy smart that was my reaction you're all just gonna go to the same place (laughs) Um, yeah, so they also married twins. They tell us that they are identical mirror image twins because their medical history is identical. And that at this point, if one of them gets ill, the other doctor checks the other one to see if they're okay. What's terrible about the segment is that they go back and forth saying sentences like something out of Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> and I hate it. It's real like, annoying. Instead of just one of them talking, one will say a sentence, and then the other will say a sentence, and then it goes back and forth. Like Tweedledum and Tweedledee, and like, ugh. They're also wearing matching polka dot blouses, but that gets a thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> So they want you to know that they've had their tonsils taken out together, and they also had breast biopsies at the same time. What? They believe 
that with twins, one twin is the receiver, and they say in this case that's Lavana, and the other is the sender, which is Lavelda. Okay. So that would mean for these brothers that one of them is going to keep experiencing pain and sending it <laughs> groin pain and just keep sending it to his brother, but it never goes back the other way. Seems unfair. That does seem unfair. So one of the most unique examples of their psychic bond occurred in 1952 when Lavelda was riding in a car with a young man who had asked her to go out for coffee. But then this latch turned in the opposite direction of the coffee shop. And when she called him on it, he was like, no, baby, it's cool. Right. I was just driving her out to the middle of nowhere. Scary. Yeah. So she starts to freak out. And in her freaking out, the car like runs off the road. And as it's, like, driving into the ditch, she thinks, like, oh, no, what will my sister think when something happens to me? That thought sent a psychic vision to her (laughs) sister. And her sister, sitting in the living room, was like, Dad, we need to help our sister. She's in trouble. And the dad literally told her, you're just jealous. Like, sit the (laughs) hell down. This is the first time you've ever been without your sister and not included. And you're mad that she's out with a boy. Which is a reasonable, rational thing to say. Thing to say. However, (laughs) the story keeps going. So, uh, who, what? Lavelda was was, and her, you know, lecherous date were pulled out of the ditch by a farmer with a tractor. He didn't go through the windshield? No, sadly not. Yeah, it is sad. That's the worst part of this mystery. Uh... (laughs) So then Lavana is like, oh, okay, Dad, don't worry. She's safe now. And then Lavelda comes crashing in with her dress all messy and whatever. And her sister's like, are you okay? I knew something happened to you. And she's like, I knew you would know. And the dad's like, so that was real? So he makes them get in the car. And the the sister that received the vision drives them right to the location. Even though she's never been there before. Which, how? Don't they live in a small town? She's never been to this one part of the road before. Anyway, she's like, this is exactly where it happened. And the dad was like, I'll never doubt you again, my psychic daughters. <laughs> yeah. It's a great story. That's pretty much it. Um, the father, who was, this is what it says on Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. Well, the twin's father, who was at first skeptical, is now convinced that his daughter's powers are real, and the twins believe that ESP is how they are always connected. Aww. And it says results unsolved. Yeah, okay. <laughs> was there anything so, to solve? I don't understand. Uh, how can you explain this vision she had, Samantha? ESP. Wasn't that... The Ooh. scientists already knew it. I mean, I, I feel like Samantha's going to like me less after I say this. I feel like of all the stupid, weird shit we've talked about on the show, I honestly find this almost the most believable. I Okay, I was actually going to ask you that. Do you think that twins have some sort of connection? Which I I mocked this, but like I actually kind of think they do. I, it reminds me of, you hear stories where like parents will, will just like have a feeling that something is wrong with their child, and that turns out to be true. Now, is that because parents are constantly worried about their children, so eventually that's going to be true? Like, maybe. But I don't it seems like there might be something to that sure there's people who have like really strong bonds you can kind of i don't know sense when they're in danger yeah i I can believe it yeah do i think it's nature's whimsy yeah that's my real question for you samantha is it nature's whimsy is it like the design of a snowflake (laughs) 
Or a spider's web? No. Is it like a majestic mountainscape? No. Oh, oh, it's really not. (laughs) Just like two babies who shared a womb. (laughs) I kind of worry that maybe I had it when I ate it. (laughs) In the womb. (laughs) You know? Just absorbed it into you. That's a thing that can happen. It's very rare, but... Does, is it actually eating it, though? No, like sharks? No, it's not, like, with your teeth, because you're a baby. <laughs> you, Yeah, you just have it absorbed. Like, at one point, you had a twin, and it gets naturally absorbed. But it just freaks me out. I hope that's not true for myself. It sounds bizarre. Okay. Samantha, I have some news. <laughs> <laughs> you take out your shirt, and there's just, a, like, a face... Oh, I was going to say about you. Oh. <laughs> I was like, here's the doctor who delivered you <laughs> to tell you that you, you absorbed your twin. twin. This is, you turn around, there's just a face on your back. This is Lavelda. <laughs> I've never, you've never been introduced, but. Oh, we're Lavelda. <laughs> Aww. Okay, this has gone to a strange place. <laughs> no, shocking on this podcast. Look, my mastery was literally twins. Or are they real? Do they exist? Is it possible to give birth to two babies at once? Let's find out in SciMed. <laughs> okay, next is a lost love. Which lost love is this? I can't even remember. I'm going to remind myself as I start to read it. <laughs> so... It was five years before the Great Depression. Oh, yeah, this one's kind of sad. But Robert Stack tells us that it had arrived early in rural Tennessee for tobacco farmers who were eking out a marginal living in the countryside. Shortly after giving birth to twin daughters... What? Are they real? (laughs) Are we sure nature would allow such whimsy? (laughs) The wife of tenant farmer Rufus Hinkle died. With nine mouths to feed, Rufus made the agonizing decision Oof. to give the girls up for adoption. That is too many mouths. That's like nine too many mouths to feed. I can't imagine what Rufus was going through. How he would possibly feed two brand new babies and himself and nine other children. So, yeah, it was like he really had no choice. Albert Hinkle, nicknamed Shorty, is interviewed sure. for the Why show. Not? They henceforth will only call him Shorty through the rest of this episode. I, I feel like he's one of those guys where people could know him for 15 years and not know his re- real name. It's possible. So he's interviewed for the show. He says that Rufus was a man who loved his family and that parting with any of his children is something he never wanted to do. But Rufus, or, um, but Albert says sometimes you have to make sacrifices, which is very true. One of Rufus's daughters says that she is sure Rufus thought about the twins all the time and missed them very much. She remembers her older brother, Lloyd, going with Rufus to the orphanage to try and get the girls back. Unfortunately, it was too late. They had already been given away. This is possibly the world's worst orphanage? I don't know. But... Okay, I have a question about this. Yes. So he goes, you know, maybe his financial situation has improved a bit, or maybe he just can't live with the guilt... And he's like, is it too late to get my daughters back? And they're like, no, sorry, they're gone. We find out later that one of them was not officially adopted. Yeah, this is why I say that this might be the worst orphanage ever, because they temporarily gave away one of the babies and then lost track of her. And then I was like, why couldn't he at least have that one back? The temporary one. I I honestly think maybe they didn't know who she went to or where she was. Uh. Because why would you temporarily place a baby with a family and then lose track of it? It wasn't 
she wasn't officially adopted. They didn't have, like, any paperwork on it. Yeah. And at least in the reenactment, he was like, well, so, but at least they're with good families, right? And she was like, of course, they're going to be so well taken care of. And he was like, oh, it must be God's will. Like, Mm -hmm. he's trying to convince himself, like, this is for the best, you know. Right. But this orphanage sucks. They're terrible. So Rufus never saw his two daughters again. He passed away in 1950. Shortly after his death, the family began looking for the girls. For some reason, they tell us in Unsolved Mysteries that the orphanage wouldn't release any information on the girls until after Rufus's death. Yeah, because I think they knew they fucked up is why. Probably. So the orphanage was unable to locate Martha, but they did trace Mary to Bluefield, West Virginia. It just meant that the whole family had to wait until he was dead to start looking for them. Mm-hmm. It's just bullshit. And then he never got to be reunited with them, which yeah. is awful. Shorty and his wife traveled there shortly after to meet the sister he never knew. It is a happy reunion. Mary never knew that she had a twin sister. Mary felt that a part of her was missing. Shorty had to break the news to her that the orphanage had lost track of Martha because she had never been officially adopted. Apparently, they sent her to a temporary home and then lost track of her, which is baffling to me. Yeah, it's really disgusting and upsetting. Here's a little piece of wisdom for Shorty, though, from Shorty, though. <laughs> when you put two and two together, you get a hole. <laughs> Something to ponder. Thanks, Shorty. As you go out into the world. Maybe stencil that on your wall. (laughs) Maybe I'll start an Etsy store for, like, vinyl sayings, and that's the only one I'll sell. And people are like, uh, can I get a silver? You'll attribute it to Shorty and every... (laughs) People are like, can I get, um, like a, uh, uh, I Can I get an Osho quote, maybe? Yeah. Like, why are you only selling this? I want to live, laugh, love, and silver. Could you do that for me? And I'll be like, no, you can only get, when you put two and two together, you get a whole... Thanks. Little dash short. <laughs> or would you like something about nature's whimsy? <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. 30 years later, Rufus's granddaughter became a super sleuth. She was able to figure out that Martha had been given temporary, temporarily to a couple with the last name Meek, who lived 30 miles away in Greenville. Uh, she went to the town and searched census records and other documents, but she was never able to find any trace of the Meeks. Which makes me wonder about them, too. I know. So we get a sad update. It is technically solved. A viewer, Sandy Detain... This made me cry. I can't believe I... I must have blocked this out of my contacted mind. ...contacted the Hink- Hinkle family saying that she had found Martha. She had lived with the Meeks for three years, but was later taken in by the Jackson family of Johnson County, Georgia, um, because the Meeks got divorced... And when they got divorced, they decided to just give away this child that they, they were They hadn't raising. really adopted, and it seems like maybe they kind of bought from the orphanage or something. Something shady went down. Yeah. So that's why they couldn't find it, because she was with a different family. And In 1940, she married James Thomas, and they had four sons. Sadly, she passed away in April 91, just weeks before the Hinkle family <laughs> I, found her. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I know. However, in July 1991, um, the Hinkle family was reunited with her sons, so they got to meet and the sons. reenactment is really cute and they're also excited to see each other and yeah. her it's, sister it's is talking about how it would have been so great to talk to her for even an hour and tell her that she loved her it's, yeah this person she never met it is hard to imagine like finding out as an adult that you have a twin and never getting to meet them That's... and this i'm assuming this the person who passed away never knew she had a twin she probably no i'm sure she never did that's so bad. So, I know. Mom and Dad, if I have a twin, tell me. <laughs> tell me now. I need to know. I need to know. Okay? Your mom calls you Liz. I have bad news. You 
did have a twin, you but you ate her. <laughs> you ate her. <laughs> so it's kind of your fault. Okay, that would um, be my that would be my fate. God damn it. All right, last mystery. Yep. Not fun at all. No. My first, it's a wanted. My first note is, great, I have to talk about a child molester. Because I didn't want to. Who would? No. Did I do any more research on this? No, of course not, because it's disgusting, and I don't want to know even what I know. His name is Kenneth Robert Stanton. So, this opens with, we hear directly from the director of the FBI, William Sessions, to tell us that there is an addition to the most wanted list. And it is this horrible, horrible man who, in 1964, was convicted of child molestation and was diagnosed with, I don't know that this is, like, officially considered a thing anymore, but he was considered a criminal sexual psychopath. But then somehow was later deemed fit to reenter society and That's was released. That's the part I didn't really understand. It, you, it jumps from, he's a criminal sexual side, psychopath, too, and we let him go. Yep. Okay, because he was in a mental facility and then was deemed fit. He wasn't in prison. Okay. So his MO is that he go- he goes to a middle-class white neighborhood, kind of scouts it out, and finds a girl oh, home alone. God, I blocked the memory of this reenactment. A girl home alone between the ages <sighs> of about 7 to 12. He has a job as a traveling salesman, which allows him time to do this. So also be glad that's really not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh... And he'll he'll be dressed in a suit. I don't know. They were acting like he's not going to really stand out in this middle class neighborhood. I guess that's the point. He doesn't. <laughs> I felt really bad for the actor hired for this reenactment because I. What is that casting call? Like <laughs> creepiest man ever needed to play child monster, and then this guy comes in and they go perfect. <laughs> Your face scares the bejesus out of me <laughs> you're gonna play kenneth stanton because i the, never really thought about that but yeah that's like, <laughs> like he looks creepier than the actual dude like i'm looking at the actual person's mugshot right now and i don't know he just sort of looks like a normal white guy but the actor playing him was kind of terrifying looking oh, yeah and uh so i just feel sort of bad for him that he was like Mwah, this is the best <laughs> casting we've ever done on this show but his M.O. was that he, yeah, would be in this neighborhood. He would somehow figure out that a child was home alone, I assume by watching the house. And then he would go to the door, knock on the door, pretend to be a policeman, show the child a badge, and then say that he needed to inspect their milk because there was an outbreak of contaminated milk in the area. Such a weird thing to come up with to get inside I, a house. I feel like it's something you could tell a child that they would, like, kind of understand. Like, oh, that sounds bad. My milk, my <laughs> my milk, not my milk. <laughs> oh no, gotta let the policeman in. So they have that reenactment of him like smooth talking this kid. It's like, oh, I'm not supposed to let anyone in, and and him being like, well, do you know where you got your milk? It'll only take a second. Like, yeah, him just being predatory and terrible. And then once he was inside, he would blindfold the children, sometimes distracting them with either a thermometer or eye drops. That part. Yeah, I I don't want to know. I don't want to know, and I'm not going to explain it any further. So, uh, in the summer of 1989, one girl began screaming loudly during her assault, and he was scared away. As he was leaving, a neighborhood boy noticed him and wrote down his license plate number. The hero of the story. Yeah, which I just was really impressed by they showed it as literally a kid just sitting on a bike wearing a baseball hat like literally he was doing nothing 
which is almost suspicious. <laughs> but whatever. There was just a kid in the neighborhood, and he was like, ah, that doesn't look right. So he wrote down the license plate number. Um, the girl was interviewed, and she was able to pick his Kenneth Stanton's photo out of a lineup. He is suspected of at least 11 molestations. Well, he was at that time. In Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia. Um, and they had found his car abandoned in Ohio in December 1989, but he had been on the run ever since. So this was the FBI appealing to the Unsolved Mysteries viewer, like, do you know what happened to this total creeper? You will be happy to know that he was captured within minutes of the broadcast. Yay, Unsolved Mysteries. Tons of people called in to say that he was living in Ohio with his wife. She she was unaware of the situation, but it's just horrible for her. That he had seen the broadcast, which, whoa, (laughs) rude awakening for that wife. They had only been married a couple weeks. Oof. They're sitting down like, oh, honey, let's watch some Unsolved Mysteries. I hope it's a ghost ship. And then this starts and she just turns. (laughs) Oh, oh, that gives me chills. That's yeah, terrifying. That's not fun. So he um, fled. But five days later, he was captured in Rock Hill. He had registered in a motel under his own name. That's not smart. I feel like he, at that point, he might have just kind of given up. Probably. He was like, they're going to catch me. I can't just keep... You can't hide from unsolved mysteries. You can't. You cannot hide from unsolved mysteries. It's the real long arm of the law. So you'll be happy to know that he was convicted and he died behind bars in August 20th, 2011, which was fine with me. No real loss. Yeah, no. Get off this earth, Kenneth Stanton. We don't need you. Nope. All right. Well, that was a downer note, but let's read this episode. All right. Mysteriousness. It's quite mysterious. Twins. (laughs) Are twins real? I still don't know. It's not mysterious at all. Danny's death is mysterious. Nothing else no, is, though. Actually, but, I mean, okay, so Danny's death was mysterious until we found out what happened. Yeah. So, I guess maybe it's not I'm going to say thumbs down. This, this episode's not mysterious. Yeah. That's not what you're watching it for. You're watching it to see two grown men go, ugh, at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and, learn, and, and learn a handy app exercise if you're worried about your love handles, as they're colloquially known. There's, there's a lot of things on the internet you could watch to see true grown men go there at the same time. Well, this is the most wholesome version. So, what about the reenactments? I think they get it thumbs up. Um, I, think, I think they give it I'm waiting for up. Samantha to recommend something of pornographic nature. So, guys, there's this website you gotta check out. Wait, what? What are we on? Pornhub sponsors our next episode. Sure. Give us a call, Pornhub. I'll do it. <laughs> sure. Why? Whatever. Uh, I'm not above advertising for no, porn websites. No. Totally. Call us up. I'm sure our <laughs> listeners will love those coupon codes. <laughs> All right. What are we doing? Oh, reenactments? Thumbs up for sure. Yeah. Those, yeah, those twin <laughs> reenactments. Twin ones are great. So, thumbs up. Uh, fashion? I mean, I liked the polka dot blouses. I forgot to mention that the sad lost love mystery had some really great cars. Oh, yeah. And you also get to see like a cute little vintage house with lawn flamingos in the yard. So thumbs up for that as well. Um, yeah, fashion was pretty good. It's decent. Yeah. MVM, I think, we're, is going to the twin. <laughs> twin mustache, twinning. Twin mustaches. Yeah, because we with, thought, a, with an honorable mention to the handlebar. I really was like, there's no way there's going to be one better than this. It's the majesty. <laughs> 
But yeah, I don't know. We haven't had twin mustaches before. No, that's we also unique. saw a mist a mustache under hypnosis. This is a very mustache heavy <laughs> episode. Was the mustache being hypnotized? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I remember things differently. That's <laughs> like a different memory than the actual dude. <laughs> Even though he was a teenage boy at the time and didn't have a mustache. Yeah, just the like first little, you know, peach fuzz hairs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, we didn't see much of Robert Stack in this episode, I don't think. I wrote down that at one point he's wearing a parka like a model. Like, it's like tucked under. I don't even know how to explain it without, with words. But it's like, t- this, he, you see the sleeves on his arms. And then the actual poke part of the coat is like tucked back it's like oh. not across his chest at all and he's standing oh. like this and i was like what are chest you? yeah i was like what are you doing robert stag <laughs> yeah he, I, I guess he was voguing a little for us oh, okay i'm here for it so i'm gonna give it a thumbs up just based on that weirdness so, sounds good whatever was happening there and him telling us about nature's whimsy <laughs> I bet I bet when they came to him and said we're gonna do this segment about twins, he was like, You gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> what? Wait, he's in he's in the writer's room with his script and he's like, The mystery is twins? <laughs> that's, guys, that's not a mystery. What's mysterious about twins? I once twins? dated twins. <laughs> Nothing mysterious about it. Alright, how do you rate this episode? Uh three and a half. I'm I'm with you on a three and a half. It's solid. It's, it's, okay. It's a little sad. I, I don't did like actually tear about child up. molesters. Yeah, no, that's terrible. So, who does? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they caught him. Thanks to Unsolved Mysteries for using that crowdsourcing to get this guy caught and horrify his recent wife. Oof. Yeah, I mean, she, well, poor wife saved her really. Well, that's true. Yes, did save her from <laughs> who knows what. Anyway, all right, that's it for this episode. Samantha's <laughs> <laughs> like, I am done. Well, we have Blech. one more thing. We have to recommend something. Blech. Okay, well, I'm going to recommend a like body product shop Ooh. thing, online store, called Witch Baby, which is products made by a witch. And you're like, yeah, Liz, of course you are. <laughs> I'm, not on ju- brand. I'm not just saying you should buy me this stuff for Christmas. I'm not. That's not the reason I'm bringing it up. Actually, I had an order come in today. So I thought is I would that make what all this stuff is. Yes, I thought I'd make Samantha smell some things. I'm what gone. I really like from this company is their body butter. Ooh, it's very um, is that what that moisturizing, is? but it's like not sticky. So I ordered two different scents. This one is called Old Saint Witch. Oh, I need to smell it. And it is cherries and sugar cookies. So give that a smell. Also, the the body butters come with charged crystals at the top. The packaging is really cute. It has a which on a yeah they're handmade in small batches and they're made with pretty good Ooh, stuff it smells really good and they smell really good rock in it yes this is your charged crystal i oh. believe that's a garnet mm. and then this one it's has a cherries and sugar cookies smells really nice can i take a little bit and put it on my hand absolutely and then i got also blood and milk body butter which is blood orange and coconut milk Ooh, this is really nice. And it comes with some jasper on it. Yeah, particularly now that we're in winter, you need some like serious. Oh, this smells so good. Moisturizing. I'm gonna have to place Highly order. recommend. It's really good this stuff. This is serious moisturizing. Mm-hmm. Lenny really likes to try to lick it all off of me, which is not appreciated. But and then I also had two other things, just if you want to smell them. This is a Christmas present I got for someone. It's a bath bomb, in the scent that I can't pronounce <laughs> but i think it was like 
cranberries and wine or something. Ooh. It's pink. It's got a Christmas tree on it. Ooh, it smells really nice. And then this is like for your bath. It's called Midnight Mass Bath Potion. It looks like Saturnalia. Saturnalia. <laughs> they all there's. It smells really descriptions good. of all the scents on the website, and you can see all the different ingredients if you have any sensitivities or allergies it's like very transparent which you don't always have to be with like soap and bath products so i do appreciate that this is yeah for your bath and it says merlot orange rebirth and i have not actually smelled this yet oh it's kind of like mulled wine Ooh, i need to smell this so midnight mass bath potion my favorite body butter from them that i've had is called candy quartz and it's kind of like a really light cotton candy smell you know what else i appreciate about this company it's filled to the very top i've never seen anything like this (laughs) usually you get half your packaging is half air this is like flush with the top of the jar yes that's so impressive i know i've loved everything that i've gotten from them that's like body product bath product wise um what was else was i gonna say where can you oh, find them? Do they have their own website yeah, or is it like an Etsy own, shop? They have their own website. It's witchbabysoap.com. Um, she is a witch. You can get a subscription box. It's like a spell box that has things that like... You get products that correspond to the moons and astrological things. She also makes body butters that are charged under different full moons. Oh, I'm pretty sure I need some of that sugar cookie cherry. Yeah, I wish I had ordered a bigger one of this. this body really butter. Because it smells really good. And it's... You're right. It's moisturizing without being sticky it absorbs really well yeah sometimes body butter like if you've ever put just straight cocoa butter on you which is good for you but it is also just like yeah it's like almost too thick so this is like a little bit lighter anyway that's lovely i'm taking this stone out to put in my i'm slowly making progress on my roswell bathroom I know every, great. I know everybody was really concerned. And it has a crystal shelf, so that's where this is going. Well, I'm also recommending a shop. This is an Etsy shop. Um, I was searching Etsy the other day for some Mothman decor. Like you As do. you do, yeah. Of course. And this is a shop in the UK called Eldritch Rock, I think is how you pronounce it. And I first came upon this because someone in our Facebook group posted a picture of this like art that was various cryptids in a terrarium. Yes, I remember and that. I don't it's beautiful. Know if this that was on their own website. I don't know if this is the same company that did them. Okay. But they have like a little mothman in a terrarium, which is super cute. It looks I'm gonna show the picture to Liz. Oh, you need that. It's super cute. That's how you. But I and they also have like a Loch Ness monster in a little in a little goldfish bowl, Aww. which is super cute. My favorite though, which I wanted to show to Liz because I think it's just adorable, is this Mothman postcard of Mothman, like in Mothman's teenage bedroom. <laughs> my jaw just dropped. I love it I so much. Liz I'm ordering that needs for it. sure. Also, my favorite detail it it has it, so it's a pink bedroom with all these pink plushy like pillows and mothman is sitting in front of a purple laptop with his like head on its <laughs> on his hands with his little cheeks and then like they got the detail which if we we've, we've talked about the mothman statue in point pleasant it has that rock hard booty oh, God. you can see mothman's like little <laughs> tight ass in the postcard it's just it's really perfect ador- it's adorable but if you have any other mothman decor recommendations oh send them our way for be sure. sure to send them our way 
We will, at some point this month, be putting together a Christmas suggestion list, I do believe. We did that last year, and it was really fun. We just made a, like, list on our our website of different suggestions for Christmas presents that, I don't know, sort of, kind of related to the show. Mostly it was us telling you what to do. Um, So we'll probably do that again, and maybe we should put put that postcard on there. I think we should also put this Mothman pin that is called, Oh, Mothman. (laughs) It's Mothman looking over his shoulder. He's got his booty out and his hand in the air, like, doing a... I don't recall any of those witness statements really (laughs) focusing so much on the booty. It was more the eyes and the wings and the feathers and such, but it's canon now. It really is. I mean, now it is. Can't deny it. For sure. There's a little terrarium with a Sasquatch in it. If that's if Sasquatch is more your thing. <laughs> sure. If you're really if you're really a, a sure. Bigfoot person. Uh so yeah, I think the shop is delightful. I love Etsy for these like weird Oh no. <laughs> like, I spend way too much time on Etsy. But also I'm the one like totally buying this shit because it's awesome. Yeah, you can so. find just the perfect things you didn't know you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, Yes. Mm-hmm. Mothman, come home with me. For sure. My love. <laughs> I think that wraps us up for this episode. I think yeah. so. Should we plug yeah. our stuff? And All right. We're on the social medias. You and know, perhaps most of them. You. Twitter, you- Facebook, Instagram. My Instagram has been a little dead lately. I'm going to get back into it, I promise. Yeah, we need some quality. Uh, you need to post those jeans. Oh, yeah. I've got some screenshots from the last episode. So. <laughs> Everyone needs to see those jeans that ruined my life. <laughs> um, if you want to email us your paranormal tale... You can send that over to perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com and we will collect together listener stories probably for if we get enough, we'll do another season finale for season three. Um, so if you saw a ghost or a UFO or you made out with Robert Stack on his yacht, be sure to let us know. For sure. You can send us a little bit of money on patreon.com slash perhaps it's you and get some extras, like a bonus episode once a month. We do watch parties from time to time where you can watch a show with us. Uh, we send you a postcard and some stickers, at least right now. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed recently. You get access to our backlog of bonus episodes, We've which done I think are pretty awesome. 10 or 11 by now, so there's a lot of material there to binge through. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to give us... If you don't want to give us money, but you want to give us a tiny bit of your time, you could go and rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Just know that we only accept five-star reviews. Only five-star reviews. Even if you're critical of us, that's fine, as long as it's a five-star review. Yeah, Yeah, you can say, worst show ever, five stars. That's fine. Yeah, we're fine with that. Just say, Mothman says hi. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, bye. Solve some mysteries, bitches. Bye.